You are listening to Forging Employee Experience. I'm Josh Dreen, joined here by none other than Alexander Norin. How are you, buddy? Doing great. Trying to de-thaw here with all the uh, winter ice that decided to dump on us yesterday here in Boston. So we're... uh, we're a little envious of our guest, Beck Chi, today, who's, who's staying warm over in San Francisco. Beck, how are you? I'm very warm, as mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so jealous. Oh, no, but uh, we're really glad and really grateful to have you on the show today. Yeah, let me tell you a little bit about Beck before we jump into this. She is the global head of talent at Atlassian and is focused on cultivating high-performing teams and integrating meaningful growth experiences across the entire employee life cycle. She leads talent acquisition position, diversity and inclusion, and learning and performance development for Atlassian. And Beck, I met you at the HCI conference this past summer, and I just absolutely loved your keynote, absolutely loved the content that you talked about. I guess my question is just, where do you find so much energy and zest for life? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, (laughs) I love my work. And I think it's because I don't think of it as work. I think of it as uh, just a very convenient and helpful way to connect to other people. Tell us more about that experience. I mean, Atlassian is such a cool company. I, I was first turned on to the company itself after listening to Dan Pink's TED Talk. He mentioned mm-hmm. you know, about, I think it was the FedEx meetings. And uh, ever since I've just been fascinated with the logo and the branding and, and more importantly, the way that you treat your employees. So give us like a 30 foot view, a 30,000 foot view. Of, <laughs> yeah, 30 foot view would be that big. Let, let, let's see the overarching view of what Atlassian is and and some of your focuses yeah I mean I think at that level you're really just going back to the roots of the company and I always explain you know I certainly don't take any credit for the culture and the company that um, has been going strong for you know 15 years now and I think it started with the sense of irreverence and um, insatiable curiosity um, really focusing on what really matters to people you know, we're a service organization who provides collaboration tooling to other companies. And in order to do that, you have to know what those people want and need. And that, I think, is a good foundation for all of the things that we're now doing in, in the team itself. So at that level, the biggest themes are team and, and what it means to work on a team. And that's our stock ticker on NASDAQ, right? Uh, it spells out team for a reason. Um, yeah. So it's it's that concept is wedded through everything that we do. Wow. That, that's a light bulb going on for me. I'm like, oh, I mean, <laughs> your, your branding is so on point that you've actually <laughs> included it in the NASDAQ. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, that, that's, that's wonderful. And tell us a little bit about your role because you obviously are the global head of talent and we know all about the talent war and employee engagement and, uh, all of these things that are giving some businesses quite the headache right now, but it doesn't seem like that's the case at Atlassian. What, where are you finding success? Yeah, I mean, look, we're a growth organization. So any day you wake up, uh, there's a whole long list of things that you could look at and say, from today's point of view, it looks like we're behind because you know high growth is like that. You are behind in so many ways, and that's, that's uh, the treadmill that you're on. But when you, I've been in the job now three years. Um, well, I've been at Atlassian for three years, but I've, I've kind of done a number of different things inside the people team and the, and the role has shifted. 
But right now I feel like um, I've had a chance to look back at how fast we've grown in three years and remembering the experience, my own experience of being in high growth, which was that whole feeling of kind of feeling um, underwater and behind and now seeing the incredible um, pace and velocity of growth. It's just an experience unlike any other. And I think it's really hard to a lot of companies are going through growth like this or have gone through it. I think it's one of the most in, in, incredibly difficult environments to create an experience that feels um, healthy and happy and productive and, and fun for employees. And so that's been a, that's been a fun ride for me to try to pull that together. Yeah. And I, f- I feel like just the way that you described your job and how much you love it is the, the goal for every organization out there to get their employees to say that. I mean, what are you hearing among the employees of Atlassian? Do they feel similar to that? Do they feel engaged? Yeah. I mean, we, we have a, um, twice a year we do a a survey and we just ask people about some of the foundational feelings, if you will, that we really care about. And they are feelings. And so we don't call it an engagement survey. You know, we actually call it vital signs in the same way that you go to a doctor and they say, hey, these are the things that are working really well for you. And these are the things that are not working really well for you. And how do you feel about your health? And that's what we ask employees. And, you know, one of the questions that we have is, and it's the highest that I've ever seen, but again, it's around belonging. And we ask questions around, do you feel part of your team? Do you feel like you um, belong here, that you can be yourself? Do you feel like you have what's necessary to be the best version of yourself? And, um, and then of course we have a whole bunch of other <laughs> questions that we've added onto it. But I think overall, you know, we're in the eighties um, and in some cases, you know, upper eighties or 90 percentile um, of employees who feel so favorable that they feel like they belong at this company and they, they feel like it's a place where they can continue to grow and that nothing's perfect, but that one thing I think f- really is a, is a proud moment to be walking around knowing that on average 90 percent of everyone is feeling like they belong here that's incredible and uh <laughs> you i have to be honest when you said that i thought to myself man at family gatherings we can't get 90 percent of people there to be happy but uh, somehow you managed to do it in the workforce uh and that's that's absolutely absolutely incredible um so one of the one of the things that that comes to mind is it sounds like atlassian you know you guys have really really started off on the right foot. Um, and, and some of our listeners, you know, it's, uh, that may not be the case for their organizations, you know, so as you've, I don't know if you've ever, ever given it some thought of, you know, what if, what if we weren't quite doing things right? How would we fix it? What, uh, what guidance or suggestions would, would you give to, to someone that's trying to, to make a situation that isn't quite as good as it could be better? It's a really hard one. I mean, I actually got this, I get this question a lot. And I'm like, who am I? I don't, I cannot tell you this. <laughs> um, if I did, I'd be like doing something else. Um, but I have some opinions on it. You know, I sure. feel like I've had an experience here where there was a really, you're right, a really good foundation from the start. But I think the faster you grow, the more opportunity there is to screw it up. Sure. And yeah. I think we've had our fair share of, you know, those those sort of fork in the road decisions where you're like, oh, we're we gonna do that. And and I don't think it's so I don't think it's about the history of where the organization came from. Mm-hmm. I think it's about the level of um integrity and 
I would say bravery and courage on behalf of the leadership team and, and the people at the company to continue to hold up a mirror and be like, hey, is this who we really are? Right. So, you know, is this who we want to be? And we have that rebellious sort of confrontational, um, we call it sparring or, you know, but we have a debate of debating culture. And I think that that keeps us really healthy because we really do challenge, you know, mm-hmm. all of those moments. I don't want to say that you're screwed if you started out, right. you know, whatever. I mean, I think there's always ways to improve. Do, do you find that uh, you mentioned the, the idea of, of, of leadership? Do you find that the, the tone is set, is set more with the, the executive team, the, the people at the top making the decisions, or do you find that it's in the everyday implementation of, of um, you know, the company culture that, that you know, maybe the, the mid or lower level managers are really the ones that drive the, uh, the feeling of the company? I think in our case, I can say that it's absolutely both. If you awesome. didn't have founders who started out with the idea that they would, they were going to plan mm-hmm. to sort of lose more power over time. And in that, I mean, to create more autonomous decision-making and to do empowerment as a strategy that that is a foundational um, idea that our leaders really believe in. And so now, now you have sort of that embedded into the organization and you have a very vocal base of employees and, you know, frontline managers who are now, you know, feeling empowered to drive some of that culture. Um, And that's, I think, the balance that you want. Of course, there's always a leader. There's always a hierarchy. There's always decisions that we're like, no, we can't do that. You know, that's not, we're not doing that. But to to not have that be the default, you know, we're we're not the military. It's not life or death. You know, in those cases, you need that kind of leadership. But here in a corporation that's trying to focus on collaboration teams, you really need those teams to actually be, you know, creating a lot of the culture. Yeah, creating. So do you, we, we've often said before, um, you know, when, and, and it's been discussed as we, as we talk with industry experts that um, a, a big pitfall that some organizations have is not really communicating the, you know, what the, you called it the, it was the vital check. Is that what you, your engagement surveys, the, the vital, uh, vital signs, yeah. vital signs. Yeah. Not, not doing some organizations don't do a great job communicating that with, um, with the managers, with the people that are actually, you know, needing the information to, to make decisions. Um, have you found that in, in being a little more transparent with those, with those scores, or, or I guess my question is, do you share those scores and uh, the vital sign uh, results with managers so that they're able to then take the results and, and tweak and adjust as they go? Or is it something that stays kind of high level and, and gets uh, disseminated on an as-needed basis? Uh, no, we're very open. I mean, in general, our brand mission is, is to unlock the potential of teams. And one of the ways we feel strongly that that happens is through open work, open and right. transparent work. Right. So uh, when I first joined, I remember it was probably like, I don't know, a couple of months before we went public as a company. And I just remember there was an all hands where our founders got up there and they said, hey, and this is an extreme example, but it's a really important one where they said, hey, we trust this company, mm-hmm. all 2000 of you, and we've always trusted this company and the people in it. And we're going to share with you today that we're going to be going public in 30 days. And I, my jaw dropped. I was like, what? You yeah. are telling that's us this. Yeah, that's the degree of transparency that I think I've. We're obviously becoming public now. That there are there are different pressures, but I sure. we share very openly the vital signs, and um, 
there's commentary because of one of our products, Confluence allows any employee in the company, just like a blog to comment on anything. Yeah. You, you create a, a conversation between, you know, 3000 people. Um, if you want around some of these, some of these trends. And so how do you, how do you help, how do you help the, the, the rising? Because, because the way, it, the way it sounds like it's going right now is exactly right. Right. But as, as people move, uh, you know, up through, um, up through the organization as they, you know, get promoted and, you know, move from a contributor role to maybe more of a managerial role, how do you help, how do you help them, uh, I guess be on board. Like, how, how do you know? The, the, how do you know that they are ready for that leadership leadership role, and not just really good at contributing? Because that's a big problem that a lot of organizations have is they 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 instill leadership responsibilities in people that are great contributors. And uh, mm-hmm. we found that that can, if if that person is not prepared, can very adversely affect the the employee experience because then you all of a sudden have someone who's not a great leader leading other people. Um, mm-hmm. So how do you how do you kind of handle that that issue? Well, I should say, how are we trying to handle that issue? Because sure. <laughs> it's a it's a real one. I mean, right. I think the place I'd like to take this is to think about what the phenomenon that happens in a high growth company, where you typically start out and you fill in your well, you have, you have, you're going to start a team of ten people. It's like, well, we need someone to manage all of go to market. We need someone to manage. Mm-hmm. I guess we need a marketing person, and we probably need some engineers. And so you sort of build like that. And ultimately, when you're a small company, you build at the top. You've got to get that senior leadership thing. And then you're like, well, we really need some doers. And then you fill at the bottom. And then what misses, what you miss is in the middle. It's called the hourglass. And this happens in every company, right? And so then over the course of growth, if you're lucky enough and you've got enough profit margin, you start filling in kind of the middle middle area. And the problem with that is that you you haven't necessarily – now you've got managers and you've got to get them ready, you know, and you've got to grow them. And so management becomes a really important capability to grow. And that's kind of where we are now. We're in the midst of having just filled in the, the midsection and, and really right. making sure that we're filling foundation for, for learning. Mm-hmm. Um, I had some other thoughts on this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Please. Because I think, and this is a little bit what you said, be myself. So here we go. Um, <laughs> Please. But I think, my mom, one, one of the things that she told me that has stuck with me my whole life is that she said to me, in most cases, the root of all unhappiness is expectation. Mm-hmm. And it's really stuck with me. And as I think about like what happens in a growth culture in a company like ours, as you go through everything I just described, I think agency and, and this idea that you have control over your own happiness or your own experience, it fades in the systems of hierarchy and you end up starting to feel like, well, I expect that my head of talent will give me a very clear path to how I'm going to get to that leadership role. And it's just a really subtle thing that happens, right? Where you're like, but when I'm so busy, so where are my career paths and when am I going to get this? And, and there's this very subtle giving into that, that I think as a head of talent, I've seen that happen. And we're really trying to strike this balance of saying, look, we don't want to feed you candy when what you need is like a toothbrush. We want to give you what you need that's going to help you. And sometimes that isn't what you're asking for. And sometimes it is um, on that journey. And so I'm really, I'm very curious about this concept as it relates to growing people. Um, because I think it's, it, it really, we don't want to get to a place where people are expect, expectant of it. 
Um, but, but we also really want to make sure people continue to feel empowered so that when that leadership role comes open, there isn't uh, all that, hey, you didn't prepare me, I'm not ready. There really is a, a seamless um, transition. I absolutely love that. And I just love the way that you're talking about growth and development in such an open and positive way. There, there are organizations out there that are wary of pouring so much development into their people because they know they're just going to leave in a year mm. or two. Retention is such a, such a, a hard thing to attain sometimes. And so I, I think that listening to you talk about it and how it's not even a question for you. Like if you come work for Atlassian, we are going to do everything we can to give you these high growth opportunities. And I feel like people stay longer because they know that you care and that you're invested in their future. Do you find that to be the case? Yeah, I think yes and no. Right. I think you do also have to deliver the goods. Like you can't just be, um, saying it, like you actually have to deliver it. And, and what gets hard is that we could say all this, you know, beautiful sounding things. And then if they're your direct manager, we know this, right? If your direct manager is, is crap at it, then it, it, you're kind of like, well, that sounds great, but that's the nub in my experience. And so you get back to, um, there's only so much the organization, the culture, the leadership can drive in terms of your experience. And then, and then it really does come down to, what is your experience <laughs> um, with your manager or with your team? And that's why we try to measure those things. But I, I do think generally speaking, retention, you know, especially for millennials, it's, it's a different proposition in terms of what we think in our, like what they're thinking in terms of long-term careers. You know, the gig economy is real. And I think we need to, we need to raise the bar. It shouldn't just be that, hey, I'm going to give you a great experience so that you stay. It, it, I think we, we, we need to transition to, I'm going to give you a great experience because that's what's going to make A, you happy and B, our company successful while you're here. And that's how we think about it. Yeah. And, and you, you touch on one of those strategies in your keynote. You talked about day zero engagement, where it, mm -hmm. the, the difference between a regular company and an extraordinary company as far as developing the employee experience. Can, can you just walk us through that process for Atlassian? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Day zero engagement is the concept that um, we always talk about your first day at work. What's your first day like? Everyone asks you, you go get drinks with your friends. Um, usually you, you diss the onboarding experience. <laughs> um, and what we're, what we're trying to say is like, actually your relationship with us as a company starts from the moment you engage with us. And it really ramps up when you decide I'm quitting this other, you know, corporate relationship I have and I'm coming to, to you. And that's a really big change in someone's life. So our idea is to just honor that that's a big change. And we're just trying to infuse touch points um, along the pre-boarding journey that make an employee recognize and feel like this is a place that you're going to be able to call home for however long you can call it home as, as a, as a, kind of a, a professional landing spot. Um, so I think that's, that's an attempt that we're making. And it's a lot of that's in our tone and the way we try to recruit for people. But it's also, you know, once you get here, the idea is that if it's not working for you, if you're feeling frustrated, you can just tell people. You can just open a blog and be like, you know what? I don't like this this about this about this experience I'm having um, we had one employee recently on the flip side of that actually just randomly posted one day saying hey I just want everyone to know that I'm an introvert and my manager lets me not go to the holiday party without giving me guilt 
thanks. I'm just, it's not my jam, but I love you guys. And it was so awesome. We're like, thanks. Thanks for sharing that. That was cool. Wow. That, that is cool. I mean, wow. What a, what an open place to be able to have that, that, that communication openly. That, that is so, definitely not the case elsewhere. So if I can, a little devil's advocate here, do, yeah. do, do, you, do you feel like, I, so I know that an organization that says, wow, that, that much openness. I mean, do you get, um, I mean, do you get people that, that maybe troll the, the blog uh, space or that uh, kind of abuse the system at all? Or do you find that if you just trust people to do the right thing, that they typically don't let you down? Well, to me, that's like asking, like, um, you know, that, it, it, like we're certainly not claiming that we have like a whole group of high school teenagers who you know, <laughs> don't do anything wrong and don't sneak right. out and don't. Right, right. Know, of course. Yeah. Sure. You're talking about thousands of people across many right. cultures. Like, do we have that happening? Yeah. What, what I love though about it is that we've created an open um, platform for us to do our work. And, and obviously we sell that product, you mm -hmm. know, but we, we use it. And what it does is it creates a self-correcting system and it sort of creates essentially like a, a democracy that has is rooted in some core tenets or you know laws but we call them values sure. that we as an organization you know we self-correct ourselves and so when somebody does do that or post something you get a, a lot of opinion um, and a lot of debate mm. and this goes into the diversity and inclusion because that's an area that i i look after too and one of the biggest shifts I think we've made, one of the most progressive things I think we've done is we've created a internal dialogue and a safe place to have the kind of conversations that you see happening on CNN or Fox News or MSNBC. Like those things are real. They're happening in schools. They're happening on media. They're happening in homes. They should be happening at work. And I think we, we create an environment where there is a respect for that healthy debate. Um, and then at the end of the day, if it gets to a point where it, our rule is like, hey, does this have intent or does this actually harm another human? Sure. And if so, we, we then will censor it and say, hey, it's not appropriate. But sure. we, we let it air out a little bit. Right, right. Well, that's incredible. I, I love the amount of trust there. And I think uh, it sounds like the, um, the risk versus reward payout is, is definitely in favor of reward. While there is, uh, like you mentioned, a little bit of... Um, you know, a little bit of maintenance that, that comes along with, with an open platform like that. I, it, it sounds like that really is a driving factor for allowing the transparency that, um, that's really being asked of by employers these days with, uh, with the up and coming workforce. So that's pretty incredible. So Beck, as we start to wrap up this episode, we've, we've received some really cool information and, and see a lot of great stuff that you're doing. I, I think sometimes we, we might look at that as, as fluffy or hipster, or you just have a lot of money so you can send care packages to your employees, et cetera, et cetera. But they do want to, they do want to offer some sort of experience that's above and beyond just a contract, just working for this organization. So if you could give us any advice, anything that we can do to get started, what would that be? Hmm. I would start really small, you know, and I would, um, I would think about the things that done in small portions add up to, to some sort of message to your employees. And, and I'll give you an example. When I first started at Atlassian, um, you know, I came in as the head of HR business partners. Um, you know, it was a pretty senior role and I was used to what was happening at Nike in my, in my career in terms of my 
travel, in terms of the way that we used expense accounts, and um, all very sort of fiscally liberal, I should say. And when I came to Atlassian, they're like, oh no, you don't get a credit card. I was like, well, I don't get a credit card. What do you mean I don't get a credit card? They're like, you don't need one. Until you need one, you don't, you know, we're not just gonna give them to you. And it was a very small thing. It was a very small thing. And I thought to myself, really? And it made such a difference for me because it, made, it, it sent the message of, hey, um, we, we are a culture that is not a culture of excess. Um, we, we care about what we care about and we will fund what we care about. And one of the things we happen to care about is the way people feel when they walk into the office. And so, yeah, we have spent money on our offices and they look great and they feel great. And um, I think that it's about judicious, judiciousness and intentionality in the small decisions. Um, that's probably what I would advise people to go and do a quick audit on in the things that they have control over. And I think you even if you just do it on your own team, how much you can shift the way people feel and the way they experience it and what you get out of them when you, when you analyze some of those smaller decisions. That's wonderful. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing. And thank you so much for joining us on the show today. I know you're a very busy person, so we appreciate your time. Oh, that was fun. Thank you so much for reaching out and, um, and for, for having me and for creating another a listener. I'm, I'm happy to tune in and excited to see some of the other stuff you guys have. Awesome. And where's the best place to find you? Well, you can find me on LinkedIn like uh, almost everyone else. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah, Perfect or you can find me in, uh, you know, every once in a while on a basketball court or um, on a walk with my dog. But good luck. I don't know that you'll find me there. But. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a challenge, a one-on-one. -on -one. <laughs> yeah, deal. We'll be in San Francisco tomorrow. Perfect. There you go. <laughs> well, thanks again so much for thanks joining so much, us. Guys. We really appreciate it. Take care.